What player stands to see the biggest benefit in Doug Baldwin's absence? Will more than one Patriots running back make a good play in week two? And we play a pay, and we learn how to talk. And we play a pair of would-you-rathers with, with a couple of running backs making waves this weekend. Don't talk over me. Plus the week one leader in the 2018 football guys Players' Championship on his only FFPC team this season. Isaac Martis hangs out with us to talk about why he was team feeling this season, whether he's changed his mind on any Bears skill position players, and much more. We've got, hopefully, a great show for you. Dave Gerzak is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Once upon a time, not long ago, when people wore pajamas and lived like slugs, when laws were stern and justice stood, and people were behaving like they ought to good, there lived a little boy who was misled by another little boy, and this is what he said. Me and you tonight, we're going to make some cash, robbing old folks and making the dance. They did the job, money came with ease, but one couldn't stop, it's like he had a disease. He robbed another and another, and a sister and a brother. Tried to rob a man who was a DC undercover. The cop grabbed his arm, he started acting erratic. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Shot for the head, he shot back, but he missed her. Looked around good and from expectations, he decided he'd hit for the subway station. But she was coming and he made a left. He was running top speed till he was out of breath. Knocked an old man Thank you, Rob, and greetings and salutations, all of you Balkaholics and Gerzak and addicts. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is the patron saint of fantasy football, the Disney. Dave Gerzak. Coming up on tonight's show, is it already time to bench Amari Cooper? Who is the pass catcher to deploy in San Francisco sans Marquise Goodwin this weekend? And Isaac Martis will be here shortly to talk about putting up the high score in the 2018 Football Guys Players Championship with his only team, Dave. Very impressive. Not only is it his only Football Guys team, it is his only FFPC team. Wow. No sets, no main event, no nothing. He's put it, put all his chips on this one. And let me tell you, it is working out swimmingly Good for, for him, him thus far. Right. Good for him indeed. Don't let, everyone else don't do that. Um, well, everybody, you know, listen, you're chasing Isaac. It's a worse decision. You, mean, you need as many teams as Terrible possible. Terrible idea. Shout out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you might have in there. Uh, you can connect with us on Twitter at HSFFHour, at Eric Balkman, at David Gerzak. Our website is HSFFHour.com. Facebook is Facebook.com slash HSFF Hour. 347-426-3682 is the phone line. That's 347-GAME-OVA. You can also email the show at the inbox, highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, now is the time to send them. We'll try to do our best to get to all the chat room questions, all the emails, all the tweets, and the fantasy feedback segment later on in the show. I want to remind everybody that the High Stakes Lowdown is back after about a month and a half hiatus uh, after drafting season has concluded. If you wanted to hear from the 2018 FFPC main event leader, you can do so by going to rotoviz.com slash podcast. Scott Johnson, Coaches Cruncher, is currently leading the FFPC main event. He was on the uh, lowdown this week. You can also check it out at the Blog Talk Radio channel, uh, blogtalkradio.com slash rotoviz. And, uh, of course, um, uh, it's also on Apple Podcasts. You can also download it there. Uh, A bevy of ways to get to it. 
Great stuff from Scott Johnson this week on the lowdown. Let's get into uh, tonight's guest. I want to bring him on right now, ladies and gentlemen. He's based out of Chicago. He says he considers himself a fantasy football veteran who's been abused every which way. Well, listen, we've all been there. Uh, He's won championships. He's lost a championship by a single point and has absolutely slinked home with the last place trophy before. He is nowhere near doing that this season as his lone FFPC team this year sits atop all the others in the 2018 Football Guys Players Championship after a week of action. Please welcome in the show, Mr. Isaac Martis. Isaac, thanks for joining us uh, on the show tonight, man. Hey, gentlemen. How's it going? It is going good. Good to talk to you tonight. Uh, it's certainly a, a quite, quite the thrill for you being in first place, uh, leading a competition of 7,800 teams with your only team. That is fantastic. I want to get in and, and talk a little bit to you about that. Before we do that, uh, tell the listeners what you do for a living when you are not crushing the FPC. Sure. Um, I work in healthcare on the strategy and business model innovation side. So meeting work a lot with... Uh, OUS governments and healthcare systems trying to figure out better models of care for patients. Well, usually I have a follow-up question, but I am not even smart enough to ask anything to follow up with regard to that. So let's just talk about your team, actually. It's your only team. You're leading the whole thing, 7,799 teams. 99, yep, exactly. What did you think you – how did you think your team looked after you, you you finished your draft? A lot of people, we always like to say, you know, it's your baby. You're the one who just birthed it. You love your baby. Did you love your team? Or did you think it was just fantastic heading, heading out into the season? No, I mean, it's funny. Like, I felt I had a good team, but to be in first is out of control and completely ludicrous. I mean, at the end of the draft, I was pretty happy. I ended up at the 5-6 spot, um, which was exactly where I like to be. Um, and I was stunned that Camaro didn't go before me, and that kind of set me up nicely, I think, for the whole thing. But, um, I mean, honestly, you look at my roster, my weakness at tight end was really big. So for Cook to actually come through is really, really insane. Um, I mean, I would say, I think you guys are joking around how it's my only um, FFPC team. I totally intended to draft another one over Labor Day. Um, ended up missing the waiver wire and uh, just got slammed with some work stuff. So it was a little unfortunate. Well, maybe not, because maybe it's... So if you win 250 grand, I mean, you never know. Well, you uh, buy a things. bunch of them next year when you got all the money. We know you liked, uh, we know you liked <laughs> Kamara, Isaac, uh, obviously. I'm curious, because you drafted in the middle of the round, how high would you have taken, I mean, hindsight's 2020, obviously, but how high would you have taken Alvin Kamara this year? Because a lot of people now are saying, oh, it was obvious Kamara was, was the 102, you know, over Bell, over Johnson, over Elliott. Would you have taken Kamara at, at the second overall pick? I mean, it's a great question. I mean, it's a little bit tough to answer. Um, I mean, especially with what we know about Bell now. Um, I would like to think I would have, but I think I probably would have taken Bell. Um, If I was drafting later, like closer to the end of August, maybe I would have had a little bit more cold feet and probably would have gone for Camaro, definitely. But he was my number three, so I'm my draft list, so. I got Kamara on zero teams this year, Dave, and I'm already regretting it. I don't want to talk about it. That's my fault. That's my, how, many, how many teams do you have Kamara on this year? None. You're it, really? Well, I only have Bell on. I, you know, I didn't draft Bell at all. I have him on a couple of dynasty teams, so yeah. I also avoided Bell. So. We'll get to Le'Veon Bell later in the show. I wasn't, in the Kentucky, not that anyone cares. Right. In Kentucky, I was either early or late, so I wasn't in that middle spot. So ah, gotcha. Which was my home choice, so whatever. Uh, Isaac, a lot of analysts out there this season in the pre-draft process were telling people 
uh, tra- telling drafters to actually avoid Tyreek Hill this year, uh, given uh, how efficient he was last year, given that he's going to have a fresh quarterback this year, and then given the amount of money that they're paying Sammy Watkins. Of course, you still had Travis Kelsey. You still had um, Kareem Hunt on that team catching passes as well. You got him in this draft at the 407, Ridiculous. which, which uh, you Ridiculous. know, after the first week, that looks fantastic. Like, you know, the steal of the year. I'm curious why you were a believer in Tyreek Hill. Was it simply the value in the fourth round, or did, did you were you a believer that, like, look, whatever they, those guys say, that's fine. He is going to have a big 2018 as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I was definitely a believer. I was really happy that he fell to me at 407. I mean, so the two other people I think around that I was looking at was Landry and Cook. Um, either of them would have been fantastic, but Hill had a really good 2017. I didn't see any reason for it to go down. I mean, he had what over a hundred targets over a thousand yards. Maybe his touchdowns would come down, but the chiefs added a quarterback that has a monster arm. Um, he grew up in the system. So it's not like it's a new quarterback in a new system and they have to learn everything. I mean, you just have some concerns on how well he's going to acclimate. Um, so in my mind, I was just like, it's only going to get better. Right. I mean, Alex Smith is known as a very, safe, great, amazing game manager um, who will take his shots, but he's not going to risk it all, right? Whereas I figured you most likely have a chance where this guy's tearing off the top on defenses and he's going to take advantage. So, I mean, it looks great after week one. We'll see what it looks like after uh, week uh, 16 or so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the big one. That's, yeah, that's, you, you want, it's all fine and good to be first place right now, but it doesn't pay out anything yet. <laughs> so week 16 is exactly. the key. Go ahead, Dave. <laughs> I saw that he drafted August 4th, and I think in preseason Tyreek had a few good plays, and he really did move up quite a bit. In the Kentucky drafts, he was going in the mid, early to mid, I mean, granted, the receivers get pushed up there more, but right. he was going in the early to mid-third round, and I think even in the mid-thirds in most of the uh, FFPC drafts, don't you think? Uh, yes, I would agree with that, and, and bear in mind this. By later in August, yes. Yes, bear in mind this, too. The second preseason game, Tyreek Hill caught like a 65-yard bomb from Patrick right. Mahomes, and Sigmund Bloom, our friend Sigmund Bloom from Football Guys, said, like, look, I'm overrating that one play in my drafts right now, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. So was everyone. I mean, everyone, and, but I don't think, it, you know, I don't I, I think he was saying it, but I think he actually meant it in jest. He, like, yeah. no, no, I don't think he meant it in jest. He's like, I, I, I know, listen, I know I'm putting too much of an emphasis on this when I'm putting my teams together, but that's all fine and good because I think this is what we're in store for this year, you know? Well, when you, okay, we'll get back. I feel like we're talking on Isaac's. No, it's fine. Go ahead. But when, you know, I, I feel <laughs> like when you good. look at Tyreek and you saw, him, you saw him score those touchdowns, Isaac, don't you, you watch, you watch him play and it's almost like watching a Tech Mobile player. It's like watching someone that is just running at these are professional athletes. He's running at a different speed. He's running 4-2-40 type time on the field. I mean, is that what you feel, Isaac, when you watch Tyreek play? Yeah, no, he's absolutely incredible. I mean, it's literally like a video game. I mean, you're going back and you're thinking the way like Randy Moss would be running down the field or when Lynch had his little super video game moment of dodging like 12 different players. I mean, it's just, it <laughs> totally feels like he's in a league of his own. You know who Tyreek Hill seems like? He's the type of player that we would watch him play. Like, you know, a guy that would get drafted late in the NFL draft, and everybody would say, oh, man, he is a burner. He can run past everybody. He's just, he doesn't have the greatest hands in the world. Well, Hill is the type of guy who is the burner, who runs past everybody, but he can actually catch. You know he, what I mean? He doesn't just catch exactly. crap 50 yards downfield. Yes. Yeah, I mean, he could do it all. And, and I think that's, that's the type of player he is. The, you know the guy that, that can run that can't catch? Well, Hill is the guy who can catch who can still run. This is the guy <laughs> that all those players always wanted to be and they can't. He's the guy. Go ahead, Dave. All right. Well, not, we're still going to talk wide receivers, but we're talking about a white one. 
These are rare. This is like a rarity. This is like a unicorn. Unicorn, yeah, exactly. Adam Thielen, <laughs> you took him over Stephon Diggs in the draft. We like to talk about white. I like to talk about white wide receivers. So you definitely so, bring it up quite a bit. That's for sure. <laughs> Have a little fun. Those, those sneaky, fast, McCaffrey's quick white guys. too. He's yeah, running he back. is for sure. <laughs> so you took Thielen over Stephon Diggs in this draft. And actually, we had a debate about this, and I was arguing. I was making the Thielen case. Yep. Uh, just because he was so much more productive last year and this and that. But, you know, I was kind of – nevertheless, you can make the good case for Diggs. So tell us a little bit more why you took Thielen over Diggs in this one. Yeah, I mean, so I had him about even. It was a 50-50 coin flip on who's going to have a better season and so forth. Uh, what it came down to my mind was just a high floor versus a high ceiling. Um, I felt like I was going to get a guaranteed level of production out of Thielen. Um, whereas with Diggs, I was going to have some amazing games, and there's going to be a lot of variability and maybe some not-so-great games. I mean, looking back at last year, Thielen had more targets. Um, even though he didn't have as much yards. Um, and I felt like that was more valuable to me at the third spot. Um, and I think, honestly, that helped me feel a lot more comfortable at the time grabbing Hill in fourth round. So. And Thielen was, you know, Diggs was one who had a little bit more of a preseason hype going on. He was he had a lot of preseason and hype. And Thielen just kind of moved down a little yeah. bit. But, I mean, it, it just shows. Well, you know, I mean, they both did well. They, they, they did. But I will say in preseason, you saw Kirk Cousins targeting uh, Stephon Diggs quite a bit and not so much Thielen and Kyle Rudolph, which I think we talked about on this show. And that actually caused Thielen and Rudolph to fall in drafts a little bit. So, I was like, real quick about uh, Kyle Rudolph. He had one catch for, what, 11 yards and a touchdown. I'm, you know, I had him on one team, and I was happy about the points. And I looked, and I'm like, oh, that's not, that's no good. Do you do you have concerns about Rudolph going forward? Yeah, he's always been a tricky player to me. I mean, he has these amazing games where you're like, oh, I got to start him every week, and then you get burned for like two or three weeks straight, where he may get a target or two, or they're just using him as a blocker. Um, I didn't draft him in any of my leagues this year, but uh, I mean, I he's super talented. I mean, I think it's just a question as we get a feel for what Kirk Cousins wants to do and what they want to do in the system um, and how good the defenses are that they're playing. But uh, I know that's not really a great answer, but. <laughs> oh, it's better than what I could have given. Yeah, no, and, and we've talked about this too. Uh, with the OC that has come over to, uh, to uh, Minnesota actually um, is heavily involved in targeting the tight end. No, opposite. What the hell is he doing? And, uh, well, it's one game. And uh, remember that uh, Kirk Cousins had quite the relationship throwing to Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis in Washington, too. So he is accustomed to it. I, I think there's, there's some fantasy little, value coming an- down the pike. A little anomaly there. Okay, well, well, we'll see. Thanks for cheering me up, buddy. Well, I'm just letting you know. That's We're nice talking. Yes, well, listen, I, I am uh, incredibly magnanimous for sure. <laughs> uh, Isaac Martis is our guest tonight leading the 2018 Football Guys Players Championship, a uh, $2.1 million prize pool and a $250,000 grand prize going to first place. This is a draft, Isaac, that you had done almost, boy, we're coming up on a month and a half since you did this draft on August 4th. I'm curious, looking back at this draft now, did you find that that you had any advantage in drafting this squad that early as far as not only some of the values that fell to you, but because there's not a ton of information, even in early August out there as far as what teams are going to do, what we're seeing in preseason, you know, when it's sort of like, you know, I always say it's the wild, wild west until we get to, you know, preseason week two, week three. Um, Did you find yourself like looking back on that, boy, if I would have drafted this team a month later, there's no way I would have gotten this guy here, this guy here. Was there an advantage for you to be drafting when you did? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely think so. I mean, personally, I like drafting before the preseason. Um, I like doing both realistically, but kind of failed on getting another one in with you guys this year. Um, But I think there's a lot more variability. Folks are a little bit more risky. You see stranger things going on. I think like in the second round of this draft, you had three tight ends go, 
which I still can't justify it. But I mean, I think that's something you really only see that early when you're still in the beginning of August, end of July, so to speak. Plus, I mean, there's another component to it, which is it gets me in the mood for football. I mean, so you're a month out. It gets me excited for the season, forces me to sit down, read up, and start to get prepped. Makes a lot of sense. Do, yep. you, have, do you play in a lot of local leagues, like leagues amongst your friends and so on? Yeah, I'm in three other ones uh, locally. So a work one and then a couple friend ones. So if you told – just I know there's other stupid questions here, but yeah, have go you ahead. told any of your friends that uh, you're crushing it in this thing or are you just kind of on the down low right now? I told one friend, um, but otherwise keeping it on the DL. Uh, I mean, my wife just, like, looked at me blankly for a moment, and just laughed hysterically. She was like, it's the first fucking week. I mean, <laughs> let's see what happens in a couple. <laughs> so that was straight very quickly. <laughs> That's hilarious. At least, yeah, she's keeping it real for you. So Wednesday night you have waivers. You, you uh, snatched up Brandon Marshall off the waiver wire. Uh, so is your opinion, do you think this could be a possible lost season for Doug Baldwin and Marshall really kind of, you know, emerges – you know, from the scrap heap into being relevant again. Yeah, I mean, the passing game for Seattle always confuses me year in and year out. Personally, I mean, so I'm a big Bears fan. I love Marshall. I have very fond memories of him. Um, I don't think he's done. He has tons of talent. He's very diligent. He's very hardworking. Um, he's come over some intense mental issues and so forth. I mean, so the mental toughness is there. I think last year with the Giants, was, uh, it wasn't him. I mean, look at the rest of the Giants last year. I don't think we can really hold it against him. So, I mean, I think there's huge amounts of upside for him. He was on my short list of possible pickups. Um, Baldwin, I'm not a doctor. Um, I think, what, it's a grade two MCL sprain. Um, I'm kind of thinking that this gives him a chance to rest up. I mean, he was very vocal that he wasn't coming into the season healthy. Um, So maybe a couple extra weeks to get past the sprain and get past whatever the other knee issue was. Um, We'll set him straight and be able to hit the – the midseason healthy and fresh. But uh, so, honestly, I'm really hoping someone in one of my leagues traps him and I'll pick him up, but we'll see. I'm glad you brought up the Bears and the fact that you're a big Bears fan because we did want to ask you, one of the things, Dave, that we talked about in the preseason quite a bit was the Bears sort of remaking their entire offense, you know, bringing, you know, Mitchell Trubisky never really got the handcuffs taken off of him last year. He does this year. They bring in Gabriel and Allen Robinson and Trey Burton. You have Tariq Cohen in his second year. And then, of course, you have Matt Nagy and, and Helfrick running things there in the offense. And, Isaac, I'm curious – with all of those new weapons uh, in Chicago, we've seen them uh, play one week. I don't know if you've changed your opinion on any of these guys, but uh, first of all, let us know if you have. And second of all, who are you the highest on in this Bears offense, this new look Bears offense? Yeah, no, um, still very excited, obviously incredibly disappointed. Um, it's the kind of loss, though, that I feel uh, you still got a lot of young guys on that team. So I would rather have it at week one than – when it's a critical game in week 16 or whatnot. Um, so I think they'll, they'll get better and stronger from it. I think there's a lot of good things we saw in the game, especially when it comes to the offense. Um, I mean, I think Burton still is going to, is going to light it up. Um, and I'm still really excited about Anthony Miller. Uh, I tried to grab him whenever I could in the, the late rounds and a couple drafts. But, uh, I mean, big guy, runs his routes very well, good hands. So we'll see if he's able to turn it into something. But, I mean, it's – I can't say anything bad about the Bears. I'm in week two, so I'll be completely hopeful and banging the drum through week 15, um, and either we'll be uh, 
super excited at that point, thinking we have a shot at the playoffs or be completely depressed and let uh, reality break in. Speaking of depression, um, Amari Cooper owners are feeling quite depressed. Oh, yeah. Yep. You know, this is Amari Cooper is interesting because I've, I've seen our buddy Evan Silva defending him on, on Twitter about he's probably one of the most accomplished wide receivers at his age in the NFL. He was super young when he came super into the young, league. Yeah, right. He was 20, I think. And last year was dreadful. He was terrible. Um, and he's now, playing hurt. I'll get that out there again. <clears throat> anyway, so <laughs> after one week, he was evidently playing healthy. He had one catch in the Gruden-led Raiders team. I, I just Gruden, LOL. I was, I was, anyway. t- I'm going to interrupt you for a second. I was telling you this uh, the, in my, on my local sports talk show I do in the afternoons uh, here in Northeast Wisconsin. I was saying, what's the link? I did. Uh, I'm not going to get into it. I'm, I will, we are on Apple podcast now, the show with Leo and oh, Balky. I will goodness. say this. I did 11 minutes yesterday, nonstop talking about the Raiders because it has been in, it's like a soap opera slash reality <laughs> show slash dramedy that's going on there there's so much to talk it's insane i don't even know what to make of it the team that gave up the like the 60 something overall pick for mark davis and then cut him cut him and then then no one one picked him up and then resigned i don't what in the hell is going on i just there's uh, anyway go i'm sorry dave go ahead talking about Cooper. we're not talking about the 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 one two or three stooges yet we're talking about cooper right so isaac what do you think would you (laughs) i guess we do have a question yeah uh so you had a, a good week one score from kenny stills man he's looking good Plays at the Jets this week. If you could only start one player this week, would you bench Amari Cooper and start Kenny Stills? And, and for reference's sake, so everybody knows, Amari Cooper is at Denver this Sunday afternoon. Go ahead, Isaac. Yeah, no, I think the Denver piece is, uh, is huge in this conversation. So, I mean, I would absolutely start Stills over Cooper right now. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I the Rams it. shut down yeah. Cooper very well. Um, I think Denver has a fantastic defense still, even with a couple of folks leaving. Um, I think there's a good chance they shut down Cooper. Um, and honestly, I don't know enough to know what's going on with the offense and so forth. I mean, I completely agree with your assessment of Gruden and, and what he's doing. I mean, I think the primary question is, does Gruden believe in throwing to a wide receiver or does he only throw to running backs and tight ends, um, which I'm okay with for now since I have Jared Cook. <laughs> but, um, but I, mean, I, I don't know <laughs> yeah, what's exactly. for Cooper. I mean, Cooper has all the skill. I mean, like if he's healthy, like he's going to be phenomenal. So it's just a question of uh, – is it a product of Gruden's offense, or is there their hooks on the line? But I would absolutely start skills for this week. I mean, you have to, I think. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And think, I think it was that this was Greg Olson that said in the postgame presser after the, after the Monday night game, or maybe it was Tuesday when he, he was talking about it, somebody asked him, you know, the lack of involvement in not only Amari Cooper in the passing attack, but Jordy Nelson as well, who I think only had like three catches or like 20-something yards. Uh, and he said, yeah. look, we, we didn't, with how elite those corners were for the Rams, we didn't think we'd be able to attack them uh, with the receivers, which is why, Guys like Jalen Richard and Jared Cook, that, that's who we really funneled the passing game through. Well, I got news for you. Denver's corners are pretty good, too. So you might see a repeat of Jalen Richard having a pretty good week, too, and Jared Cook having a, a pretty good week, too. And you may not see Amari Cooper rise from the dead yet this week. So I think that's interesting as well. And they went out and signed Mark Davis Bryant. So maybe they're just simply not. It's just weird, Dave. He was, you know, he was talking about somebody asked him after the game. Who? Uh, some reporter asked John Gruden after the game. Oh, what about Amari Cooper? You know, this is a guy that, you know, you said the whole offense is going to funnel through him. And uh, do you want to get him in more involved? And Gruden said something the effect of, well, getting him involved is easier said than done. What? 
Like, <laughs> this is the guy that you wanted to run all offense there. Now Maybe. it's going to be easier said than done. And then uh, he, he threw Derek Carr under the bus saying, like, well, well, you know, we had Cooper open deep. I don't know why we didn't hit him on those plays. You very, know, that's, that's on the quarterback. Very good. So I, I, don't, I don't really understand what, what's going on. Not to bring politics into this. But Gruden is sort of like the Trump of the NFL because you know, you don't know what he's capable of. He could do he listen he could do anything or say anything at any moment. Trump notice. has been recently successful, unlike Gruden. Oh, well, okay. Well, I'm, the economy I, is doing well. I don't want to get into that aspect of it, but I will say this: like, like whatever Gruden says or does, nothing surprises me anymore. That's whatever true. whatever Trump says, nothing surprises me anymore. He is he is. You know, you might be right. I mean, in, in that that's just the comparison I'm going to make there. Let me just bring this up real quick. Go ahead. Seven months ago, uh, Reggie Wayne said that he thought that Amari Cooper gaining weight in 2017 limited his effectiveness. Yeah. July 31st. No, Cooper weighed in, I think, 203 at the combine. July 31st, Raiders coach John Gruden said Amari Cooper's up to 225 pounds. That's 22 pounds heavier than way back then. Yeah. Uh, no, it's actually 14 pounds heavier than his combine weight. And it's even heavier than what Reggie Wayne was talking about from last year. Maybe he's just getting a little fast, slow, and sluggish. But listen, if I was living in so I might be doing too, but I'm not pretty sure. Right, exactly. That's the great point. Uh, Isaac, let's, uh, I want to get to a couple of emails here that came in from the listeners this week. We'll go to Vegas first. This is Matt. What's the best way to spend my free agent bidding bucks in the Football Guys Players Championship? Do you like blowing through it early or sitting on it to use it late? Thank you for the email. That is Matt in Las Vegas, Nevada, where we just were. I had a great time. Isaac, uh, your thoughts on how you like to spend your uh, free agent bucks in uh, the FPC? Um, I tend to try to use as much of it early on as possible. I feel like within the first couple of weeks, you get some pretty good reads on if you have some good people. Like occasionally people come up like late in the season, but no one that's really going to dramatically change your fortune. I mean, so we talked about how I got Brandon Marshall earlier. I tried to get Lindsay first, but someone blew 950 on him in my league. So that was a no-go. Oh, my gosh. 950? What was the most um, you spent on him? Like 500, Dave? I think, yeah, five-ish, somewhere in there. Isaac, what did, what did you go on Lindsay for the bid that failed? Just curiously. I want to say I was in 450 to 500, I think. I think I was about 450 or 457, somewhere in there. I think, I think 451 was the big – no, it wasn't even – I think 401 was the most I spent on him in Kentucky to, to get him this past week, something like that. So, uh, yeah, very interesting strategy for uh, some of these players. Remember a few years back when Tom Brady tore his ACL week one and people were blowing all $1,000 on Matt Castle? I don't remember that. Oh, yeah, oh, wow. it happened in a couple of FFPCs. On a quarterback? On a quarterback, yeah. Are you crazy. Basically, like you said, I remember you saying at the time, like, they just turned their, it into their, their team there, they just turned it into a 20-round best ball, huh. it, which is essentially what it per, was. Per Aunt Jemima in the chat, the average was like 451. Well, there you go. So that makes sense. Uh, and by the way, for anybody who wants some uh, waiver wire uh, analysis for FFPC and FPC leagues, fantasymojo.com is your go-to for that for sure. One more email I want to get to here for you, Isaac. This is from Alex in Lake City, Florida. He writes, hi, Isaac. I have a tough flex decision in my FFPC league this week. Would you start Sterling Shepard at Dallas or Jamal Williams at home against the Vikes? Great job in week one, dude. That is Alex in Lake City, Florida. Once again, thank you for the email, Alex. Your thoughts on what you would do in Alex's position, Isaac. Would you be playing Sterling Shepard at the boys or Jamal Williams hosting Minnesota? Yeah, I mean, uh, the caveat being, please listen to your esteemed analyst over me and so forth. Um, I would totally do Shepard over Jamal. Um, I mean, I think he didn't 
looked very effective week one. Um, my guess still, I'm hoping Aaron Jones is going to be who comes up and starts picking up the slack in Green Bay. Um, I think he have a much better shot with Sterling Shepard, but uh, I'm more curious to hear what uh, these guys have to say. Well, Dave, your, your thoughts on this. I would honestly – Green Bay is kind of a mess this week with the will he or won't he with Aaron Rodgers going on. I've, I've never been a huge Jamal Williams fan. I, I think the volume will be there for him this week. I just don't know what he's going to turn it into. Sterling Shepard against the Cowboys, that could be a fantasy bonanza. So I, I'd probably lean towards Shepard, who I think, in my opinion, has the higher ceiling. I think Shepard's kind of a no-brainer because Williams doesn't catch a lot of passes. So he scored 4.7 points or something like that last week. wasn't great. Yeah, it was pretty awful. I mean, he could equal that or be worse, possibly, or be a little bit better. But, yeah, Shepard, if he goes four for 40, that's good. I mean, that's probably, like, his baseline minimum. Bring a Dallas to that cow. Uh, bring a broom to Dallas for that Cowboys game. Why? Yeah, the Cowboys suck. Because it's a mess. It is a mess down in Big D. Uh, Dave, we, uh, Isaac's been very gracious with his time. Before we let he him has. go, I, I want you to ask him one final question. All right, so we're looking for – this is uh, just for this week only. Uh, we need an early-round stud that you – think might be a bust this weekend or and or and or not just and or it's and a late round sleeper that you think must be in lineups this week um yeah i mean like the not fair answer i would be like for not like i mean with the hamstring injury potentially i don't know if you could trust them being in there but anything buffalo as well i mean i think mccoy went pretty early in a lot of leagues so i'd probably steer away from that as well just i don't think you can trust anything at buffalo right now um no bills in terms of lower-round sleepers, um, I mean, just looking at who's on my roster, I'm still very excited about Chris Godwin and Paul Richardson. I think those are two potential good shots that are only going to start getting more targets and so forth. So, I mean, I think they have a good chance to perform well. Um, who knows what happens with Tampa Bay if the Fitzmagic lasts, but um, I think Godwin has a good shot of uh, putting in at least another score or two and getting a few targets. It makes sense like to that. me. Yeah, I, I like the analysis. I, I like the, the whole half hour we got to spend with you, Isaac. This was great. Congratulations, not only uh, on week one uh, being a, a boffo week for you, but really putting together a, an excellent team that uh, should be competitive all season. I wish you nothing but the best. Go ahead, Dave. Just, and, I, and I'd like to say that you are the first of 15 consecutive guests that Eric will say he's rooting for <laughs> well, more listen, than anyone you know, else. I, I'll say this. <laughs> Isaac's a Bears fan, you know, which I can respect. I'm, I'm totally on board with. Um, and I, but, you know, the fact that you were more able – anyone. The fact that you were coming you. on this show week one <laughs> and uh, you seem like a very affable, lovable guy, I got to tell you, more than the rest of the 7,799 teams, I really find myself pulling for you. One team in the whole competition. I hate all the rest of them. What a story that would be. Hopefully we're talking to you again on this show after week 16, man. Good luck in the FPC and all your leagues this season. Thanks for coming on the show. We'll talk to you again soon, man. Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure. Take care, guys. Thanks a lot. Isaac Martis, ladies and gentlemen, leading the, leading the Football Guys Players Championship after one week. I should tell you about this, that Dave. I don't even know if you know this. What's that? How'd your Scott Fishbowl team work out this week? <laughs> I, don't, I honestly don't even know. You don't know. It's over 100, but not 200. Honestly forgot to check. I did. <laughs> oh, yeah. David Ganos, who um, uh, writes, I forget who he writes for. He used to be with CBS Sports uh, for a long time. He, um, he might, yeah, David Ganos.com. I'll have to look him up. Anyway. Not, just not, to, just make no, mind. I think he might that, might, that might be it. I'm going to look it up right now. I had forgotten, uh, you know, I set my lineup and so forth. And, um, nice yeah, no, so uh, he, David Ganos put out on Twitter on Sunday night 
Um, and he at mentioned me. Yeah, he works for the Athletic uh, Fantasy. Well, yeah, that's uh, that one hype site. Yeah, socalledfantasyexperts.com. Used to work for CBS and SI. He tweeted out, he's like, that moment when you have 150 points and three guys to go in Scott Fishbowl, but then you see your opponent at Eric Balkman already at 285. Shut up. Yeah. And I'm Is like, there's no way I'm at 285. I looked. Yeah, I was. With Bilal Powell to go on Monday night. How can you score that many points? I'll tell you how. Is this the Balkman League? No, it wasn't. But I had, I had um, Philip Rivers, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Michael Thomas, oh, Tyreek Hill, Saquon Barkley. Wow. Yeah, so I had this. In, so 285. And what's, That's got to be the highest of everybody. I'm gonna, hold on. Just let me get to it. And that, You're so bossy. I, I, listen, I've done a ton of radio this week. I'm a little wired. A little bit of a dick. Yeah, a little bit of a dick, yes. <laughs> I'll be my fantasy team name next year. Um, so I, I, uh, what ticked me off is I had the decision between Bilal Powell and Isaiah Kroll, and I started Powell. Uh, yeah. And if I would have started Kroll, I would have had over 300 points That's in week nuts. one. So I went through all the Scott Fishbowl teams, all 480 of them, after week one. There's more than that even. I think oh. it was like 900. Well, I, I don't know if there was 900. Well, whatever it was. Maybe it was seven. I don't know. I went through the whole standings page wow. and checked to see because I finished with a 294. <laughs> and, uh, and I went through all the teams. Your leader after week one in the Scott Fishbowl. It's you? Very own Eric Ball. Oh, that is amazing. Very good. You know what? And I won't stay there. And I'm, I'm trumpeting this to the high. I mentioned it on the lowdown. You I'm, might. I'm telling everybody who will listen. Uh, I, uh, you know, uh, that I was in first place at one point. 285? That's, like, insane. Well, I had like, 294 because Bilal Powell ended up putting... The highest in my, like, five leagues I'm just looking right now is, like, a 220. Well, remember, this: the scoring's a little... It's a half-point PPR, and you get bonus points for first downs yeah, and I so know, forth. Yeah, I know. The scoring is something else. I had a 144, so you almost doubled me up. Yeah, and we, we do have a five on it, so I'm, I'm ah. happy about that. <laughs> but that was... It. I, 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 had, I had the Appleton Trophy Fantasy Football Show on Thursday wow. night. I mentioned it on there. Literally nobody cares about it but me, but I still, I still was putting it out there. I was, really, I was really happy. It was very cool. And uh, If only... That that'll be the end of it for something, for like, yeah. Yeah, like for like two hundred fifty grams. Yeah, well, whatever. It, it is what it is. I was just That's you know a six score. I, and I was gonna tell Isaac this, and um, and this is part of my belief on it. You know, very few people will ever get to lead the main event or the football guys players championship or I'm gonna lump myself into it, the Scott Fishbowl at any given point. It's very difficult to do. Sure. But at least I'm on the list now. Yeah. Exactly. And, and nothing will probably come of it. Whatever. It, it was cool. I'm, Let's you know, move on. Life is complete now. Thanks to football guys, Roto World, <laughs> Roto Pass, and Rob for tonight's rundown. It really is a good score. I mean, seriously. Let's talk about my number two running back on my Scott Fishbowl team and how he's going to be out the next couple of weeks. <laughs> so we're talk all about your Fishbowl team. ESPN's Adam Schefter reports Joe Mixon, arthroscopic knee surgery, is expected to miss two weeks. He's having the cleanup procedure tomorrow, which is Saturday. And honestly, coming back after missing only two games, that might be what we call in the biz a best-case scenario. He is obviously not going on IR, and uh, Cincinnati just played last night against the Ravens, so he will get a few extra days to get ready. This was a similar surgery, or this will be a similar surgery to what Sony Michelle had done early in, uh, in August, and it sounds like Michelle is actually going to be playing here in Week 2. In the meantime, you have Giovanni Bernard and Mark Walton. I was happy I have Giovanni Bernard on three teams because he looked good when Mixon was off the field last right. night. Absolutely. You look at what, good. what he is going to be these next two weeks, Dave, and I, I think you have to, at, at a minimum you have to flex him out. If you win zero RB, he's got to be a starting running back for you. I think he's actually higher than that. I think he's a top 15 back. I mean, top Mark, 15, wow. Mark Walton sucks. 
So you don't you don't think Mark he'll be Walton, involved in the in I the mean, committee? He's, he's been getting cut by dime. I mean, he's like less than zero. You know, like the movie. He's no good. Yeah. I, I think that I think it's going to be the Geo show. Sure. I'm just seeing this in the chat right now. Aunt Jemima wants his uh, wants our opinion on an FFPC dynasty trade that went down tonight. It was a straight up trade. Nick Chubb. For James Conner, where do you fall in on that, Dave? Would you be parting with James Conner right now and just getting Nick Chubb back in return? Well, I guess it depends on my team. If I'm not, if I'm not a win now team, I would for sure. I, I would favor Chubb overall, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I got to go with that long-term rating. I mean, Waldman went goo-goo over him for so long. I mean, Waldman can't possibly be this wrong about Nick Chubb, can he? He's been wrong before. Um, <laughs> we. Uh, we should mention what James Conner. Conner does look great. I mean, Conner looks. I mean, think about it though. Conner looks great, and it's likely. That, I'm sorry to interrupt. That Bell's going to be gone. This is this is what I wanted. To, I was sort of setting you up for this. You are already hitting it out of the park before I even get to it. James Conner is he the starting running back for the Steelers in 2019? I would say there's probably 85, 80, 85% chance. I mean, that's just my guess. Let's I'm just throwing it out let's there. say you're right on that. Is he going to handle a Le'Veon Bell like workload? Well, I mean, it sure as hell looks like it after this past week, right? Okay. So now knowing that, would you still want Nick Chubb? Uh, you know, there's still some risk. I mean, it, it is one week. I mean, granted, Chubb has done, you know, very little. Mm-hmm. I, I think Chubb still does have the draft capital. So I, I, I still do kind of lean Chubb. I mean, keep in mind, Hyde did not look all that impressive week one. Right. Duke Johnson signed an extension. But, I mean, you know, that could only be for a couple of years possibly. And you just don't know. I mean, Chubb is this – he's a young player, and he's highly drafted, highly touted. I, I think I'm still leaning that direction. But, I, you know – it's definitely not a trade we would overturn, um, and I, I think that I could, you could make the case for Connor. Um, I was talking to a couple of uh, high-stakes players, actually former guest of the show, Brody Brown, um, in uh, Vegas at Planet Hollywood. What's his name? About Brody Brown. Okay. Um, and he was saying there is a he thinks that, that Le'Veon Bell is going to be a Raven next year, not only because if he signs with the Ravens, he'll get to play Pittsburgh twice a year, but Baltimore is going to have – something short of a buttload of cash next year. They will have Lamar Jackson on his rookie contract, parting, essentially parting ways with Joe Flacco, and then you can install Le'Veon Bell in that backfield. Yeah, I don't know if I buy that. Alex Collins looks good. I mean, he's he a, did look very good last he looked, night. He looked good all last year, and he looked good last night. He's a good running. He's a really, really, really good running back. Is he Le'Veon Bell? No, but he's like 90% of Le'Veon Bell for like super cheap. He's got the cool dreads. He's a, he's a total the cool dread. He's a total team player, too. I like the guy. Like, he'll get a first down. Instead of, like, dropping the ball or whipping it around, he'll actually, like, find the ref to hand it to him. Yeah. You know, Le'Veon Bell isn't classy like that. Um, here's the other thing, too, is uh, um, did you notice Troy Aikman uh, in the broadcast last night referred to Buck Allen as the goal line back for Baltimore? I, you know, I try not to listen to Aikman too much. He did, he did get in on a goal line carry, and Alex Collins actually got stuffed on a, on a short yardage carry down there, which I, I think that's kind of interesting. Collins was knowing pretty, knowing yeah. that going forward. Uh, yeah, I hear you. Collins did, was pretty successful last year, but I know Buck Allen was in there uh, for one of the goal lines. Continues to be underrated, Dave. Not only is he the goal line guy, he catches passes on that team too. Collins, uh, he's an explosive, good running back. I wish I had drafted him more in Kentucky. And yeah. Some other guys. I wish I would have had the chutzpah to stick to my guns after I said Alex before the draft. I said Alex Collins is going to be a pretty good NFL player, and then I didn't draft him anywhere. I picked him up on a couple of dynasty teams, and I cut him because he was practice squatted, and it was just like, yeah, well, it's just like, ah, it whatever. sucked. But yeah, it's no good. Whatever, moving we'll, on. Moving on from that discussion. By the way, that was Joe Mixon we were just talking about. Joe Mixon. No, How do one. we get from there to there? I don't know. <laughs> sort of the magic of this show. It's like that, what is that, the rapper who can't, uh, 
John Lejeune, the rapper who can't stay focused. I forgot what it is. Yeah, we definitely can't stay focused on this show. <laughs> um, Rex Burkhead, hopefully he was able to stay focused despite being in concussion protocol this week. He is questionable for the Jaguars game. That's according to Mike Reese on Twitter. Sony Michelle also listed as questionable for week two. Uh, Burkhead and Michelle limited, listed as limited in practice throughout the week. Both of them have been prepping as if they will be active. Remember, Jeremy Hill tore his ACL in week one. He will not be available. And uh, it will be Burkhead and Michelle, and obviously James White will be the, uh, oh, the yeah. guy to own this week. And Kenyon Varner just got signed. I noticed, hey, first Kenyon of all, I noticed, I, my <laughs> Gridiron Legends team is in bad shape, and I didn't realize there was waivers tonight because I saw you just picked him up in Gridiron Legends tonight for a solid $2. Oh, is that really? Yeah, it looks <laughs> like the earth is flat. Got Kenyon Varner, $2. That's hilarious. So you get him. That just shows you how bad my roster is. Well, I had two, two listen, spots to fill. Mine's worse. You beat me in that league, by the way, last oh. week. Well, you know, it's not 900 teams. It's only 12. Yeah, I had Smoke Brown going on Thursday, so I was pretty happy about that. <laughs> uh, but I won't have Goodwin, and I probably won't have Fournette this week, so it could be another big L. Listen to me. You uh, want to talk about Patriots running backs here? Sure. Who, who's the guy to own? Who's the guy to start this week? Is it White, or is it? Uh, can we get some value from either Burkett or Michelle? I'm starting James White for sure. I mean, if the other guys are active, I would definitely look, look their way too. Why not? You, you know, pretty much the, the Patriots have two viable running backs every week, it seems like, in my opinion, because they have so much offense to give. They have so much love to give over at the Patriots. They I do. Think White, I think White's definitely the safe play. I'm starting him in, I think, the big effing league or whatever. You're starting White there? Yeah. Yeah, I, have, the only league I, have, in I have White deployed in a, in, a couple of, uh, in a couple of leagues this week. I will say this about Burkhead and Michelle. I own one league with Sony Michelle, and it's also one of the leagues I have Burkhead in. Now, here's the thing. Keep in mind that Jacksonville uh, and New England this Sunday is a late game, so you will have limited options. In fact, I think we have an email coming up about uh, the Fournette injury, too. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. You will have limited options if you only own one piece of this Patriots uh, game. Now, uh, rushing game. Now, for me, it's James White. I think you could start him pretty much in all leagues, even as a, like a back-end number two running back. I think he's going to be fine this week. He's going to be heavily involved in that game plan. Between Burkhead and Michelle, Burkhead, I, I, could, I couldn't find, maybe I just didn't look hard enough. I couldn't find anything that he had cleared concussion protocol, and we're sitting here on Friday night. He needs the clear concussion protocol to be able to play. Uh, Michelle, this has not seen any game action as a pro yet, and quite frankly, he missed a ton of time for a rookie in August because he had that knee drained. I don't know if you can count on either one of those guys. Now, I am starting Burkhead in several leagues. But I, I am starting Burkhead in a few, uh, several leagues, but I don't have a great option behind him. And I may have to revisit that Sunday morning and get some guaranteed points for a guy in a noon game or in a 1 o'clock game rather than waiting around for Burkhead at 4.30 who may not even play. Your thoughts on, on this? So the Patriots game is a 4.30? Yes. I'm sorry. Yep. 4.25. I don't know. I mean, it's just, I guess it depends on your options. I mean, yeah. you, you usually you'll get some sort of indication like, oh, it sounds like this guy's going to be active. This guy's not going to be, even before the late games. And you got to kind of re- rely on that, I guess, if those are your choices. Yeah. But I, I, if I had to guess, I would guess that Burkhead is not active and Michelle is active, but it could totally be the opposite direction. Yeah. And if, if, if Michelle is active, he, there's, it, you know what would surprise me? It would not surprise me if you got like, one point, two points, or twenty-four points. Yeah, nothing would surprise me yeah. with with with, the, with Belichick. It's just he can do anything. I would say I would think he'd be closer to the twenty-four, though, given that there will be no Jeremy Hill, and in your scenario, no Rex Burkhead, too. Correct. Yeah, I mean, he's going to get some carries. I mean, it seems like no matter what. I mean, and the coach does. You know, he's going to put him in there. I mean, 
just, he, just because he hasn't been actually doing a lot of practicing, he's been doing some stuff on the side. Right. He should know the playbook by now. You would think. I don't know. He's a smart guy. Michelle's a smart guy. Moral of the story is when you're paying attention. Ma- no, that's not the moral of the oh. story. Moral of the story is when you're setting your lineup Sunday morning and you're paying attention to those 1 o'clock updates, look for the nuggets on those late games. There should be something about the Patriots, especially if you're following Mike Reese on Twitter. He usually has a pretty good handle on uh, everything New England. Let's move on and talk about Marquise Goodwin, another guy from my Gridiron Legends team that probably will not play this week. Actually, he won't play this week. He's out for week two against the Lions. That's Tim Twentyman on Twitter reporting this because of the quad injury he suffered in week one. Ah, of course, Tim Twentyman, you want to get all your news and information from good old Tim. Good, good beat reporter for the Lions. Dude on the tweets. No, he's, he's a good guy. Um, <laughs> I know him personally. He, yeah, oh, yeah. He, uh, we had a couple of beers after he found out my Scott Fishbowl dominance. So he's like, oh, listen, I got to talk to this guy. Uh, Marquise, no Marquise Goodwin this week. Obviously, George Kittle should take a step up in, in his targets. Dante Pettis has been named the starter in Goodwin's stead by head coach Kyle Shanahan. You know Pierre Garçon is going to be heavily involved in the passing game as well. I'm curious what your thoughts are, not just on uh, Kittle and, and Garçon, because we know they're going to uh, get, a, get a lot of targets. Could Pettis be a, a back-end flex for FFPC owners, or would you be staying away from that? I think Pettis could be. I mean, he's a pretty talented guy. Uh, they spent a second-round pick on him. Yep. He's well-liked by some of the various draft touts. And uh seems like he's, you know, a good route runner. I don't think there's any problem with him going in and, and maybe not doing as well as Goodwin, but doing pretty well. seems like Kittle will get extra targets to me, and Garcon should be actually pretty well relied upon, as I would think, too. I mean, I would not be looking to start Pettis, but if I was really forced to, I, I guess I could. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, the thing is, Detroit looked like they couldn't have stopped a Pop Warner team last week with Sam Darnold running roughshod over them. Um, I saw the update. Uh, I, was, I was actually working out Monday night during that game, and I saw the update on my phone. Sam Darnold throws pick six in first, game, or first pass as a, as a professional player. And I was like, oh, here we go. Jets are going to get smoked by Detroit tonight. And I, I stopped paying attention. I got home, and it was like 31-10 to 10, New York. And I'm like, what in the hell happened? You know? The, game, One of those the actual things. game happened. And then Detroit, I mean, who, by the way, looked like, they looked like complete crap, is coached by Bill Belichick's Super Bowl-winning defensive coordinator. Mr. Aerospace, Aerospace Engineer. Yes. I mean, it just shows, just because you're smart doesn't mean you can do accomplish stuff in the NFL. Yeah. So, you know, Wasp guy, I know he wants to go coach the NFL. It may not be that easy, buddy. It'd be easy for him. He could take care of <laughs> Probably. it. Probably. He knows insect populations. From what I've the read, people those, in the NFL aren't much smarter than the insects. From what I've read, those Detroit veterans would be clamoring for an Ivy League professor like Kern Reeve right now as, <laughs> to be their head I'm coach. I'm sure they would. Um, let's talk, to some, talk about something that's uh, just uh, north of us here in uh, beautiful Appleton, Wisconsin. Aaron Rodgers listed as questionable for week two against Minnesota. This according to Tom Silverstein on Twitter. Uh, McCarthy said Rodgers' availability this week is, quote, no layup. Devontae Adams also listed as questionable for Sunday. Uh, the Packers, and there's so much to talk about here. I've been talking about it on the airwaves all week on my, on my local show about Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Packers, Vikings, oh, and so forth. Oh, you must have a scoop. What's up? Let's hear it. I'll ta- I'll, Ask I'm, yourself the question, then answer it. Nope. I'm, I want to get your thoughts. Fresh, fresh look at this, and then I'm going to talk to you about uh, some, some other right things. Answer? No, I'm not going to give you the right answer. I'm going to talk a little bit so about my, my insight. Go ahead. Does Rodgers play this week? I would think he – I would think because the other options are so damn awful that he gives it a go. Uh, if I said that um, Dave Gerzak says he has a 60% chance that, that Rodgers starts at quarterback, would that be an accurate statement? I would say about 75. Okay, so I you're think, a little bit more sure. I think sure. higher. Are you in the Westgate Super Contest this year? 
No, you know what? I was offered to join it with Leroy and uh, Alex and you know Jeff T and all that, and uh, well, like all those guys, I hate being questioned on Thursday. Who who are you taking this week? I need the pick by whatever. I got to give it to the person. I don't give a crap enough about handicapping to want to have to make a pick while I'm actually working to like make real money instead of piss away fifteen hundred bucks. Okay. So there you go. So you're no, not I'm, in. I'm it. out. You were in it last year. Right. You know how it works. Yeah. Did you see? What the Westgate Super Contest, Westgate Superbook, listed this game at? No, obviously not. The Super Contest locks the line in on Wednesday. Yes, they do. They do not change lines after that. The Packers are listed as a, depending on where you look, anywhere between a half-point and a one-and-a-half-point favorite currently. At home against the Vikes? At home against the Vikes. Some books have taken this off game the board, off the board. Whatever, yeah. The Super Contest listed the Packers as seven-point dogs. Really? Seven point dogs well, in this game. I think, now, that's interesting. A lot of people say Vegas knows something we don't. They're up to date on these injuries. They have inside information that we do not have. Certainly, you can make that case. However, if they were to list this game at Green Bay minus one and a half, if he's ruled out on Sunday, everybody would be locking the Vikings in, right? Sure. If you list the, the Vikings as a seven point favorite, Maybe people stay away if Rodgers plays, but certainly not everybody's hopping on board with Minnesota. I would say 90, I would say 90% of the people in the contest are taking the Packers for the line value, and then 10% are taking the Vikings just, be, just to be at, against the other 90%. I've been saying this all week. Ever since the Michelle Tafoya interview on Sunday night when Rodgers said, oh, I'm playing on week two, like it wasn't even a question for him. I, I've, I still think he does play. But each day, Dave, I've gotten less and less confident. Well, he, he didn't look. I mean, he did not look healthy at all. I mean, no, and he's he not healthy. healthy. I don't think that's the question. I mean, he looked pretty, uh, pretty rough. Um, the question is, I probably torn to be honest. You think so? Yeah, I think they're withholding information. I don't know. I, I, what are they saying? It's like a, a a bruise. Knee sprain. Knee sprain is is, is yeah, the I mean, I best. Guess, I guess I can see that, but it's a pretty, you know, significant. Injury. Yeah, maybe it's not terrible, but a sprain where it's usually like a three to four week injury where you're supposed to come. I out. think I think the the obvious answer here is an MCL sprain, which would knock a mere mortal out three to four weeks. Right, and in a team that's a playoff team with god awful backup quarterback play less than a week, hopefully. Look at what they did in the second half against Chicago. They went to this short passing game and they were able to move the ball all over the field. He's a, he's probably a like a if he's normally a hundred and fifteen QBR rating with two good legs. On his right leg, on his off leg, that's the one that's healthy, right? Right. Just throwing it around, dinking and dunking. No, his, le- his left leg is, is, the, is the dinged up one. Right. That's why I said on oh, the right leg. Oh, it's on the right leg. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Standing on the incorrect leg, he's probably still a 100 QBR rating quarterback. He's, that, he's, just, he's a pretty good quarterback at throwing the short dinkies. Yes. The Packers are notoriously ultra-conservative when it comes to injuries, except for the, unless you believe crazy-ass Martellus Bennett. Um, so I think that if this was even a question, they would have ruled him out for much earlier in the week. I think this is a pain tolerance thing, and they're taking it day by day. They might be withholding. Um, they, they may know what they're going to do, but they may be withholding this as, as far as gamesmanship goes with Minnesota. But honestly, if you're Minnesota and you're Mike Zimmer, defensive wunderkind, like – you know Deshaun Kaiser is not going to beat you on Sunday. Yeah, you don't care about You have either. to be prepping for Aaron Rodgers because you know if he doesn't go, you're locked and loaded for the win. Sure. Honestly, right? Yeah. So what's the point of even, you know, saying like, oh, yeah, Rodgers isn't going to go? You know what I mean? So I, 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 think he, I think he's out there. Let's get back to the fantasy analysis for this. 
if he does, okay. if he does go, are you knocking a, a a dinged up Adams, Cobb, Graham, Allison? Are you knocking any the running game? Are you knocking any of those guys, uh, knowing that Rodgers is not going to have that mobility? Yeah, I mean versus the preseason, but I mean you're probably starting most of them, I okay. would guess. Although, you know, against the Vikings, I mean that's a good defense. So you know, Williams, you can't be too fond of. Right. Jimmy Graham didn't look all that great week one, so I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be aching to start him. I have benched Jamal Williams in all my leagues, and be honest with you, I have some pretty bad running backs. I mean, Cobb might actually be okay. I mean, it's just because he's that type of player. He's, right. He's slow and kind of goes over the middle a lot and right. semi-sucks, but somehow busted off that massive touchdown. Which yeah, that was him. insane. That was a nice play. How I mean, was that when you guys were watching that, by the way, on oh, Sunday pretty, night? I was like, no one's catching him? <laughs> I, I, didn't know where the, I didn't know where the DBs were. <laughs> I, kept, I kept waiting for a safety to come out of nowhere and deck him, and I'm like, I don't think there's anybody back there. I was waiting for a linebacker or a lineman to catch him. Well, did you see like, what the hell's going on? Khalil Mack almost caught him. <laughs> I was like, I just, it was insane. I like, was, he caught him, and he like almost stopped. Like, all right, when am I getting tackled? Oh, shit, there's nobody around. Yeah, exactly. He, he took just off. kept going. Yeah, uh, that, was pretty, that, that was a pretty fun play. That, that was uh, – that was I, you know, even I, I was texting one of my buddies. This is before the Packers took the lead, and, and I, I didn't know if they'd be able to get the win. I said, you know what, win or lose, what an entertaining game this was sure. to watch, just as a football fan. Yeah, it was great. Uh, so anyway, uh, if Kaiser plays, let's get to the fantasy analysis on here. Who are you playing as far as Packers skill guys? Are you benching it? I mean, I'm not benching Jimmy Graham if Kaiser plays. I and then it comes down to either Adams or Cobb. I don't know. I would not. I would probably be trying to find somebody else to start. Okay. To be honest with you. Right, I mean, Kaiser's so. I mean, you know, he's he's been very bad. Two series, two turnovers on Sunday night. He's been he's been very bad. Kaiser Soze starts. Kaiser starts. It's like Kaiser Soze. Poof! I'm gone. I'm getting off that game as much as I can. Get rid of it. There is no Kaiser Soze. Question from the chat room: Was guy is Mahomes for real or a oh, mirage? Yeah. Mahomes is awesome. He is for real. Oh yeah. He is the truth. Um, Cecil Lammy was saying this on the Football Guys Audible last night. He was texting with um, somebody who um, uh, uh, comes up with game plans for an NFL team. It wasn't Denver. It was somebody else. And he asked him about Mahomes. And the guy just wrote back, yeah, he's, he's going to be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And honestly, he looked awesome that game. You know what's great? Game. It's like in Carrington, I tried to trade Mahomes to you. For Lamar yeah. Jackson, and you yeah. passed. Yeah, I did. So thanks. I still own him. Well, I'm you know so what? Happy. Enjo- enjoy. It's nice. I'll just wait until Brady rides off into the sunset getting shot in the back like a cowboy in a western. And Mahomes, Mahomes can go back and start up, and I'll be a fresh start. It's like yeah. a sequel to The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly Bulky. I'll be so happy. It's, listen, Mahomes is going to be great. Uh, in fact, I think he has a good shot at being the NFL MVP runner-up to Lamar Jackson all those years. <laughs> I, I think there's a very real possibility for that. Right, so you I, never yeah, know. Right. could be right on Mahomes. Uh, Titans coach Mike Vrabel said he actually expects Marcus Mariota and Blaine Gabbert to both play what in uh, Sunday's game against the Texans. This is according to a tweet from Jim Wyatt, uh, Titans beat writer. Mike Vrabel described Mariota's progress as, quote, stagnant in his recovery from hurting his elbow against the Dolphins uh, week one. How, he, how well, fast can an elbow recover in he like was, a three days? Well, whatever. He said that he was not, I mean, listen, Mariota was not good before he got hurt. And uh, Blaine Gabbard actually moved the offense pretty well in the second half of that football game. Jadavian Clowney and J.J. Watt will be chasing after whoever starts, or both of them, uh, if they're going to play for the Titans. And uh, here's the kicker, Jack Conklin, Taylor Lewan, the starting two tackles of the Titans, both expected to miss that game. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Do you think think Mariota was pulling on Al Trevick and Caddyshack? Uh-huh. Oh, my arm. It's broken. Yeah. 
Ah, Spalding yeah. can play yeah. Archer. Yeah, and that's and that's. Uh, um, I think uh, we have to no, choose our own substitute judge. Bill O'Brien comes in as Doctor Beeper. <laughs> I'm afraid that's a compound fracture. You're going to have to forfeit. That might be it. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Ted Knight would clearly be Bob McNair, the, the yeah. uh, Texans owner. I think we got a Chervik here. So yeah, that could be the case. Here's the thing. I'm obviously benching Mariota in the leagues I own him in. That's not even a question. The fact that Blaine Gabbard is going to split snaps with him. Roto World, I think, said, what is... What, 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 they really said split. They, he, well, he expects both of them to play. Roto World said, what, what, does Mike Vrabel think he's Nick Saban now? What that he could play both these quarterbacks? Gabbard's actually not a bad quarterback as his career has moved along. I mean, I'm not saying he's great, right? But he's actually, like, palatable. He, Trust me, the Packers would trade 16 Kaisers for one Gabbard. Well, I don't think they'd go that far, but yeah, maybe. Okay, so let's get back to the Titans analysis. You're not playing Mariota. What about Jonu Smith, Corey Davis, uh, Richard Matthews, any of these guys in your starting lineup this week if, if these guys are splitting snaps? You know, probably not Matthews. I mean, Jonu Smith's kind of an interesting look just on the injury front. I mean, he's a talented player. Uh, you know, you lost Delaney Walker. Some people don't have a choice, actually, all right? even already. Like, you may have had Greg Olson. You may have had Delaney Walker, and you might have to be looking at Johnny Smith and actually put him out there. He's a talented young guy, so I think he's got a shot. And if, you know, Gabbard might, you know, look at him as a safety blanket, possibly. Uh, Shane Hallam chiming in in the chat room. Glad he can finally read the chat now. That's fantastic. He says he likes Johnny Smith and Deion Lewis this week, and Aunt Jemima actually likes Corey Davis and Deion Lewis this week as well. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I mean, playing... I'm willing to roll those guys on. Huh? Oh, you know what's funny about this is, remember I was trumpeting Corey Davis all season, and then I didn't draft him in any leagues? Oh, I, were, actually, I, actually, I actually had him in a dynasty league. Yeah. Um, I found out when I was looking over my rosters, I actually did draft Corey Davis in Kentucky in one of the leagues there. Oh, I you? totally forgot about that. So I, and I do have him in my starting lineup in that, in that league. He got 13 targets last week. Would have been nice if he could do some more with them. If you, got a lot, if you get that many targets, you've got to keep throwing the guy out. And that was with Delaney Walker playing a partial uh, game as well. So bear that in mind. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are uh, running late here. Um, a lot of stuff to talk. It's been a while since we've been on the air. I mean, it's three weeks, two weeks, whatever. We took two weeks off, so it's been three weeks since we've been on the air. How was uh, Planet Hollywood for you? I, we should talk about this. The live events out there, got a chance to see a lot of the FFPC players, a lot of show listeners, great. yeah. Live events were awesome. Seeing everybody was really great fun. Yep, it was awesome. Servers held up this, yeah, the this year. Yeah, the servers were great, no problem. Yep. Thank you, uh, Rackspace. Right, you know, if, you like, if you need good servers, go to Rackspace.com. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they did great. Uh, Chris was awesome. Alex was great. Every uh, everyone was, had we had a great had, time. had a great time. Mike, awesome. Mike, uh, our compliance guy, yep. he's awesome out there, and his lovely girlfriend. You know what's funny is, you know, he was Mike was kind of shadowing me a little bit, and I was, um, you know, uh, you know, we were learning from each other out there. And uh, Alex said, uh, or Mike and I were talking, and and I guess Mike was out there in 2017, and he and Alex are flying back together, and. And Alex was talking about how he was talking to me out there. And Mike said, wait, Balky was out there? <laughs> and then I said to him this year, I'm like, wait a minute, you were out here last year? We, yeah. didn't, we, like, we didn't even know that, that each other were, were out there. Well, so it's we, really good uh, you know, social skills by both Alex yeah, and myself introducing well, people. And me and Mike. You know? yeah, well, we should have probably. You know. But, I mean, that's you know, besides the point. So it's cool to meet him. Um, and, yeah, I mean, a great time. Honestly, Scott Johnson, listen to him on the lowdown this week. He gives you every reason in the book why you should be out there drafting uh, live, at least at least try it once. Uh, yeah, it's so, fun. Great it's time. Fun. Uh, so moving on, let's get into fantasy feedback. Rob, don't play it because we've got a lot to get to here. First email from Ben in Fredericksburg, Texas. Ben, uh, dear Dizzle and Balky, I took Todd Gurley with the first overall pick in one of my leagues and cuffed him with John Kelly. 
But Kelly was an active week one with Malcolm Brown backing up Gurley. Would you drop Kelly for Brown? Thank you for the email. Ben in Fredericksburg, Texas. Steve, your thoughts on this. You own a few Gurleys, right? A couple. Uh, you know, you might have to think about it, actually. In, not in a dynasty, I wouldn't say, but in a redraft, you might want to think about it. Um, yeah, I wouldn't drop him in a dynasty for sure. That's not even, um, that's not even a question for me. Uh, redraft, yes, I know you would think about it. Well, I mean... But do you, if you own Kelly and Gurley, are you just keeping Kelly on your roster for now and seeing how this plays out? I, you know, I haven't really read any articles on it, but if, if Kelly was inactive, I would be cutting Kelly for somebody. Malcolm it, Brown. Not necessarily. I mean, whether it's Philip Lindsay or Johnny Smith or well, those ships Dante have, Pettis. I'm those, just saying for anyone that's available that's worth more than a guy who's an inactive. Okay, that's all fine and good. But wouldn't you still want to cuff Gurley is my point. Not for Malcolm Brown. Okay. So Malcolm Brown, if Gurley were to go, get down, uh, if go down, Malcolm Brown doesn't do much for you as far as a standalone player. Personally, no. Okay. I mean, maybe other people disagree. That's fine. Fair enough. Uh Travis in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. Any advice on what us Lev Bell dynasty owners should be doing with him right now? Thanks, guys. That's Travis in sure. Lebanon, Pennsylvania. Uh, buying more of him, probably. Okay. So this is great because you mentioned that you own Le'Veon Bell in a couple of dynasty leagues. Tell me what you've been doing with him. Nothing. I've been working. I've been out in Vegas. Oh. But, if I, but, I mean, nevertheless, I've not been offering him up. I've not been getting offers. And I mean, I, I would pro- I'm just keeping him, letting him sit there. His value is really not probably going up or down. It, it is what it is at this point. Um, if he get once something happens, his value should probably only increase. It's not like Des Bryant, where his value has now gone you know, extinct like the dinosaurs. Right. Uh, and I, th- I think if you're interested, I mean, if there's someone who's kind of shopping Bell around, I think you should be willing to take a look at it. He's gonna, he's, he's a darn good football player, and he's gonna get signed to a long-term deal you know, somewhere next year. How does this play out? Does he just not report until week ten, in your opinion? That is my opinion. I agree with whatever that Twitter account said that they don't think he reports until it's absolutely the last day that he can report and still accrue a year of service and that he will then subsequently go in and play possibly like complete crap, maybe on purpose, maybe not, and then go sign somewhere else. I made this case this week. And I, you know, a lot of people fault Bell for that. I, I do not fault Bell as much as many of these other people do. He's got he's to stand up for himself. I'm totally with you on that, although it seems like from reading between the lines from these offensive linemen, his teammates, it seems like he may have not been very truthful with them. Well, who cares if he's truthful with them? Because he's the guy's his, blocking for Yeah, but is, are, they pay, are they truly paying a salary? I know the Steelers are paying a salary. Have, have the Steelers been – have they dealt with him fairly? They've continually franchised him. They, it doesn't seem like they've really made him fantastic offers. I mean, maybe he's being unrealistic for what he wants, but it just doesn't seem to me like they've been dealing, in each, dealing with each other in fair – in good faith, really. Okay, that's fine. That's just my opinion. From a business standpoint, if you were the Steelers, would you be giving Le'Veon Bell what he wants or close to it? At this point, probably No, no, not. no. I mean, like, from, from the get-go, would you have ever let the situation get to be this bad? I don't think I would have because I, that's not how I usually do business. Okay. So I don't think I would have, but, I mean, they, that, they obviously don't care to operate that way. And if, they, if they're philosophically, if they're taking – I feel like if they're the Patriots, they'd be like – this would be more typical of the Patriots, but I didn't think the Steelers just said, look, we're not going to pay a running back X dollars. Right. Of, of, you know what I mean? Maybe they're saying we're not going to pay a percentage of the cap to a running back because we devalue the position to that extent. In which case, they then should have traded him long ago. I mean, they could have traded him at any point in time. You know, They could have gotten top dollar. There's a lot of really stupid teams in the NFL that would have paid top dollar for Le'Veon Bell, 
and they would have gotten a lot out of it. A lot of draft picks, all sorts of stuff. He turns 20. Gruden, Gruden, Gruden would have given up the farm for him. Well, Gruden loves Marshawn Lynch too much. And yeah. by the way, Le'Veon Bell is 26 years old. I think that's too young for Gruden to be on It might team. be. I mean, yeah, exactly. He's in, the, he's in the prime of his career. He really does have probably five, four to five more really high-quality years. He's a pro Bowl and then caliber he'll sw- player. And then he'll switch to receiver and have two more. It's po- you know, anything's possible. I mean, you look at LaShawn McCoy. These high-caliber running backs can play for a very long time. And Bell has the, you know, he's got a good diet. He's in great shape. He's a, he's a good he's a, diet? Yeah, he's a good worker. I mean, he's lean, dude. He's lean as can be. He's like Which is weird for somebody who always has the munchies. <laughs> good, yeah, good point. Exactly. Maybe because he doesn't drink, he just does weed. Uh, yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, Maybe he eats broccoli. I'm, I made this case <laughs> on uh, on the shows I was on this week. I don't think James Conner goes completely away when Le'Veon Bell comes back too, because if he doesn't come back till week ten, you're talking about a lot of time off. It's going to take him a little bit to get into football shape. And honestly, if Conner keeps playing like this, how do you just all of a sudden stop giving that guy snaps? Well, I mean, and the, the Steelers at that point will be beyond Bell. And they're going to be looking at as Connor as their bell cow back for the future, right? So they'll be like their Connor back of the future. Yeah, Con- excuse me, their Connor cow back. They'll probably look at Connor as the guy that's the main guy, but they'll give Bell a bunch of carries just to you know to to, to help Connor stay healthy. Right. And uh, there you go. It, I don't think it'd be fifty fifty, but seventy thirty at that point. It could be. It could literally be anything. I have yeah. no idea. Okay, let's move on. Chris in uh, Columbus, Ohio, love and life trying to figure out what to do with Leonard Fournette listed as questionable in a late game. Could you play a would-you-rather with him with some of my other options? Rob, don't, Rob don't play it. Did not practice today. All right, so he's out. Hold on. Doug Marone says he does not have to practice to play. Yep. Leonard Fournette yesterday called himself a game-time decision. All right. He's out. Anyway. Well, this is going to be a quick would-you-rather, then, because I think <laughs> you're going to go the opposite on all these. Uh, these guys he listed, I checked, they all play in the early games. Okay? Okay. So you have to make a decision on... Yep, go ahead. Okay. Leonard Fournette or Bilal Powell at home against the Dolphins? Powell. Theo Riddick at the Niners? Jesus. You've got to have more options than that. He listed all Four, of them. Fournette. Austin Eckler at the Bills? <laughs> Eckler, by the way, who Eckler, scored over 15 Eckler. points last week. Eckler. Uh, your boy DJ Moore at the Falcons? I'll take more. Flip side of that, who, by the way, Moore, who had a zero last week. Uh, his I fell- a point three, by the way. Okay, anyway. point three. Okay, his fellow rookie, who did have a zero last week, in that same game, Calvin Ridley against the Panthers at home. Ridley, they say Ridley's going to get involved this week. Uh, and then finally, Jonu Smith versus the John Texans. Is FFPC, John. Yeah, FFPC, yeah. All right, so there you go. So you, are, you don't think Fournette's playing. Uh, I am going to – here, okay, I'll give you a would-you-rather myself. Um, I forget what my, what my other option is in this, but it's, it's – um, God damn it. I don't have it up either. Kevin Coleman over Fournette. No, no, no. It's like I have Fournette, and I could not play him. Or, I, you know, if he doesn't play, I have C.J. Procise on Monday night. Oof. Is he even still on the team? Yeah. That's your only choice? No, I haven't. I can't remember. Like I said, I'll the bring, other guy. Hold on. I'll bring it up right now. I have one more. Listen. No one cares. Hold on. This, Jesse, this, Jesse James. It's not, it's not <laughs> Jesse James. It has to be a running back because I'm already flexing out um, a receiver. Uh, let me think of a bad running back. Uh... Malcolm Brown, sure. <laughs> Spencer Ware. Is it? It's Spencer Ware at Pittsburgh, which uh, that's like a total of 53 in that game, and they play at noon. So what would you do? I'd, yeah, I'd probably throw Fournette in there. Yeah, so that's what I have in right now, and I'm just going to play Procise and say, screw it. I'm rebuilding in that league anyway. So we'll I guess different. you are. Back-to-back would-you-rathers here, Dave. Paul in Denver, Colorado. What's up, Jamal and Michael? How good is Tevin Coleman this week? Could you play a would-you-rather with the guys I'm considering benching him for? Or excuse me, 
benching for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, appreciate you. This is Paul in Denver, Colorado. Who's so, Atlanta playing him? Uh, Atlanta is at Carolina. Nope. Atlanta is hosting Carolina. All right. Good move. They were there in the dome. It's better. Less hurricanes in the dome. Coleman at home against the Panthers or Adrian Peterson at home against the Colts? Interesting. Uh, I guess I'll take Coleman in a feature back row. I agree. Well, it's not like, well, Peterson, I guess, won't get third down because this is the I'm next one. I'm not Peterson won't, but I'm just saying Coleman is. Chris Thompson at home against the Colts or Tevin Coleman? <laughs> I'll take Coleman. <sighs> I think I might go Tom. Eh, no, Coleman is going to catch passes, too. I, I'll go Coleman. Uh, okay, featured back. Would you rather have Coleman or LaShawn McCoy at home against the Chargers? Coleman. Because of the, the train wreck that is the Bills? Yeah, the Bills will score six points against last week. They might score 13. Uh, yes, but is McCoy going to get uh, that touchdown? I don't know. You tell me. I don't know. All right. Yes, he will. Kenyon Drake at the Jets. I'm going to start Coleman. I, 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 the Jets' defense, I'm a little afraid of it, to be honest with you. They're I'm pretty, not afraid of they're it. They're actually a pretty good team. I'm not afraid of it, but I would play Coleman over Drake. Uh, then he's got some flexes here. Tevin Coleman or Brandon Cooks at home against the Cardinals? Patrick Peterson. Uh, I'll, I don't trust Cooks all that much, although I'm sure he'll be okay. Uh, I think he was like 5 for 87 last week. I'll take Coleman. I agree. Randall Cobb at home against the Vikings? Uh. Coleman, because I don't know how much effectiveness Rodgers is going to have if he's there. I agree. And then the last one, remember, FFPC scoring George Kittle at home against the Lions. I'll stick with Coleman. I feel like his floor is too high to really to, to get rid of him for a marginal pass catcher. I mean, Kittle did look good, by the way. Uh, Shane P. Hallam chiming in on the chat. Tevin Coleman has scored double-digit PPR points in every game Devontae Freeman has missed in his career. Tevin for all. Tevin so for there all. You go. I agree with you there, Shane. Tevin for all is not a bad fantasy team name. <laughs> Uh, we have one final email here before we let you guys go for the evening. Dan in Lincoln, Nebraska. This is a good one because this is the waiver wire darling this week. What's your read on Philip Lindsay and his role going forward for the Bronx? Thank you for the email. Dan in Lincoln, Nebraska. I don't like that his last name is a girl's first name, but that's my only problem. Oh, for God's sake. Here's the question. What I does his ass look like? We, we, that's you what you we need to figure out. Yeah, you're Whatever. Out. So you have uh, <laughs> Philip Lindsay, who actually put up some pretty good numbers, both rushing and receiving last week. Right. Devontae Booker, you can cut him pretty much in every league imaginable. Uh, I know as even Devontae Booker's mother said, look, son, uh, I, I like you, but I love my fantasy team. <laughs> so she had to get rid of Devontae Booker. Um, this could be more of like a, a, um, a timeshare, but Philip Lindsay is the pass catcher on that timeshare. I think he could flirt with um, top 25 running back status uh, at the end of the season. That's a, I mean, I don't know about that. Well, I'm saying he could flirt with it. I'm not he saying could. he I mean, will. Guess, yeah, technically. I mean, I think he is locked and loaded as, a, as like a, an RB3 this season. I think he finishes among the top 36 running backs. It's a question of... He's still an un, he was an undrafted free agent, right? So, I believe that's correct, yeah. I mean, I mean, or he was like a seventh-round pick. It was super, something super late. I need a little bit more. I just need, a little, I need to see some more, more, more game action, I think. Well, you remember a lot of the high-stakes guys like Royce, well, are ascended. Royce Freeman mm-hmm. ascended up draft boards, and uh, a lot of people put a lot of faith in that, and certainly not a lot of people saw this Lindsay thing coming. It wasn't Lindsay, like, Lindsay does look good. I mean, he he looked good, but wrong. Freeman looked good, too, right. that game. You know, it's like they both look good. I, maybe we're just going to see some Freeman games and then maybe a Lindsay game every now and then. So, hey, I'm, I honestly, it's, it's, a, it's a little tough to get a read on it, but, I mean, Lindsay looked good enough that he's at least carved out a role, but I just don't know if he's going to be that hot. I mean, you know, he could actually, again, get 30% of the touches and still be like 40th. Uh, Shane Hallam, I'm a bit scared. Lindsay was more of a one-shot wonder there, but maybe he becomes a Chris Thompson type. 
This is the reason you listen to this show, because we're going to tell you all about it all season long. People are willing to spend $900 on a player. We are going to follow said player throughout the season, and that will do it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. Our return to the airwaves here this week on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. My thanks especially go out to Isaac Martis. Uh, congratulations to him leading the Football Guys Players Championship after one week of action. Uh, Dave Gerzak, of course, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and, of course, all of you. We will return next Friday, 10-9 Central guest, TBD. He's been on this show before, TBD. He'll be on, there, on here again. I want to wish uh, best of luck uh, to all of you in your FFPC main events, Football Guys League, all your leagues, even your non-FFPC leagues. Uh, enjoy the game uh, this weekend. Good luck in all your matchups. We'll be back to talk with you Friday night. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. About to call your ass over, I got somewhere to be. I hear fairy tales about how they gon' run up on me. Well, run up when you see me, then we gon' see. I got enemies, got a lot of enemies. Got a lot of people trying to drain me of this energy. Trying to take away. Hey, you know, one, one thing I forgot to mention to you from the live events. I don't know if you heard about this. FFPC main event draft. Um, this is uh, the buzz going around. Somebody used a third-round pick on one Jarek McKinnon. Yes, I did see that. Oh, you did see it? I didn't see it. I just heard people talking about it. Yeah, that was the buzz of that evening, I'll tell you that much. Can I make a bold prediction about that? Uh, sure, go for it. The guy who drafted that team will be on the show at some point this season. <laughs> That'd be funny. That's uh, not even funny. I'm telling you, it's stuff like this, these things have a way of working themselves out, and I think it works out with him having a very competitive team. Talk to you next week, everybody.